From Acute Studios, this is Kenya's Blueprint, a critical look at our country's policies and activities. We scrutinize what has been done and what is being planned. This is episode 4 of season 2. This is the season finale. The economy of this country was integrated into the global economy back during the activities at the East Africa Coastal Strip in the 1500s with the coming of the Portuguese. Before colonialism, we had the butter trade. Historically, the development and usage of resources in Kenya have had growth over the years. From the Swinerton Plan period in the pre-colonial period to the manufacturing item under the Big Four agenda, the economic and macro pillar under Vision 2030 is aimed at assessing the existing opportunities and challenges facing Kenya's economic growth. After considerable consultations with stakeholders, priority sectors were identified to drive economic growth. These sectors are agriculture and livestock, manufacturing, financial services, tourism, business process offshoring, and IT-enabled services. Two other sectors, oil, gas and mineral resources, and blue economy were introduced as the 7th and 8th sectors. With the improvement of these sectors, a 10% growth rate in the region's GDP was expected. In this last episode, we look at what was intended to be achieved in this pillar, what has been done, and what is yet to be done. As it has been the norm this season, we start with the formation period and look at what informed the formulation and existence of this pillar. And... Uh... Interestingly, that uh, the drive for the economic pillar was to look for the quick wins. What are the quick wins to jump up, jump, jump start the economy? And uh, therefore, tourism. A common question that I ask myself over time is Is the government doing enough to support an innovative, commercially oriented, and modernized agricultural sector? Going by government's reports, I would say there are wins and losses. But what are the takes of the regular Monanchi? What is the take of, let's say, a Mama Victor on the price of food? The cost of bread was raised by bakers from 50 to 55 for the 400 gram loaf. Kenya is a net wheat importer, and the price that we get our wheat went up, and manufacturers had to up the price. Over the years, consumption grew, but the production didn't follow suit. So, actually, Day in the morning, mm. I went to buy bread. This is the first time I've bought bread in a very long time. And I bought bread at 55 bob. You're like, I saw it on Twitter. Uh-huh. It should be at 60. <laughs> and you see, like, so I grew up when I think bread was 15 bob. And and right now it's at 50. I was actually shocked. I got mm. back in the house and like, when, it, when did bread get to 55? I was like, um, so many beer. Uh, no, it is 55. The food self-sufficiency ratio stood at 74.4% in 2014. It improved to 75.2 in 2015 and declined to 60% in 2017. In recent years, we have seen the country rely more on imports of fishery products. So fish stocks in Lake Victoria drop leading to scarcity. A scarcity that leads to prices rising and consumers not getting the product. Enter the Chinese imports to fill this gap. The number of fish caught in Lake Victoria has dropped due to overfishing and pollution. Although the start of this wars is dated back before the formulation of this vision, I believe measures to curb the effect would still have been introduced later and counter the problem. 
Problems like pollution, competition from well-developed fishing nations, or poorly developed transport networks are issues that our government can tackle. I mean, I look at Aurora and Kimwarel Dam project with the same light. Something effective could be done that would end up being beneficial. But is there an alternative to handle these individuals that cripple economic activities? We have had cases about the dam. Yes. And people have been told to step aside as we investigate. How many years have we taken now? God knows. Mm -hmm. Look at the issue of the Jesse, where we had all these people, Okemo mm -hmm. and Gichuru. Yes. It's only, I think, about uh, two weeks or three weeks ago when they just say, no, 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 this money we're returning to Kenya, but go to hell. Those people should have been in. And there are regimes which do that. Of course, your brothers and I, who are lawyers, no, you're putting somebody in when it's not judged yet. But a lot of hide through there. So when you take those strong, because what the reason why I'm advocating that, because what is doing is what is happening today. We have almost... Three million people who are dying because of hunger. For that dam, those dams, even in those areas, northeastern, if you wish, those areas, by the way, my brother, is so rich, the soil is only water. Mm -hmm. And so, the dam will make a difference. Yeah, so you have three people, you, my brother, and I, killing millions, millions of people. Hard. Hard. And you have cases where even brothers of president, they have done the wrong job. They told go in as your case is being done. We have seen lawyers here saying going to court, not that you not I should not be arrested. Mm. It can't work like that. And it means perhaps changing the law. We have the National Assembly. But let me give you some Well, this was my aim from the onset with the coverage of this topic to show how the nitty-gritty of our actions affect us achieving Vision 2030 and not only achieving it, but our progress as a nation. Manufacturing is key to the growth of a country's economy. A few weeks back, I was in an online forum discussing how hard it is for a country to develop without industrialization. Looking at our country's efforts in the manufacturing sectors, I see some strides made. Under this sector, the vision aimed at our country to become the provider of choice for basic manufactured goods in Eastern and Central Africa. A major hindrance in manufacturing across the continent has always been the lack of proper basic infrastructure. I recently saw a tweet implying that there might be reluctance in manufacturing, with a user lamenting over products that we import and yet having a strong feeling of having the capacity of manufacturing ourselves. Despite importing being seen as an obsession at times, some underlying factors should be looked at, like are we able to produce large quantities at a lower cost? I would say we are trying, but we are not quite there. Actually... I used to see a lot of factories being closed down and uh, I didn't understand why. And you go to countries, other countries like, uh, and I keep comparing with South Korea because I think what has really worked for them is the fact that they manufacture their own stuff. Yeah. Uh, look, uh, Samsung, LG, um, uh, Kia, Hyundai, and there are things that have just uh, propelled the economy. On, our, on the other hand, we mostly do assembly, uh, which is okay. It's, it's, it's the first step. But I think if we invested more in manufacturing, instead of basically exporting our staff to just come and buy them again as finished products, I think would be way better. Flagship projects for the initial five years of the vision were the development of a strategy for the establishment of at least two related industries located together and the development and creation of at least five small and medium enterprise industrial parks. 
for the SMEs, land has been identified in Eldoret and Taveta. Surveying is done, title deed allocated, and the land is fenced. In 2017, a groundbreaking ceremony was witnessed in Eldoret, and Deputy President Ruto represented President Uhuru Kenyatta. I do not know if I should classify this as a failed project already, or have hope. Or was it a pipe dream all along? Whatever the case, it affects us achieving the Vision 2030. Kudos to the Nairobi Industrial and Technological Park and by extension Jomo Kenyatta University of Agriculture and Technology. Some progress has been made. The Taifa laptop, Shuja tractor for farm mechanization, and Rehau home gas, a microbiogas equipment running on cow dung. Other progress encompassing the whole sector includes the transformation of Kenya Cooperative Creameries Limited. The transformation has led to an increase in farm-level earnings, expanded market share and favorable milk prices. Consumer protection has been enhanced. For Mr. Kenyatta's first term in office, the contribution of the manufacturing sector to the GDP dropped from 10.7% in 2013 to 8.4% in 2017. Tourism is one of the leading foreign exchange earners for us. There's a big variety to be explored in this sector, from beach tourism, sports tourism, to conference tourism. For about 10 years, from 2007 to 2017, we averaged slightly over 80,000 tourist arrival. The sector, for the same 10 years, were affected by the controversial 2007 presidential election and the Westgate terror attack in 2013. Afterward, the industry was affected by occasional travel restrictions and other containment measures with the outbreak of COVID-19. If we go back, we have the Kikambala bombings back in 2002. A way to keep sustenance or bring about the recovery of this industry during such times is domestic tourism. Kenyan site cost limitations and time constraints are some of the reasons for not traveling within the country. Um, not really a local tourist. I'm mostly just around Nairobi, but I'm a world citizen. Oh, it's not really the prices. I know the prices are very friendly for the Kenyans. I know. Yes, they are very friendly for the Kenyans. I mean, anywhere you go, you want to... Uh, because I, I think I've, I've, I've gotten an opportunity to be able to travel up I think in the country but I think basically for me it's always uh, work related so I do not get an opportunity to be able to see uh, what I would say uh, would constitute for me being a local tourist because I would go there and just try to be able to like venture out and want to see what does this constitute I've been to probably the Rift Valley I've been to the coast I've been to the Nyanza but basically when I go there it's, it's about work related so I don't get to be able to move around but also I think uh, uh, not speaking on behalf of the other people, but I think also the uh, the Kenyan economy, vis-a-vis uh, -vis, uh, having been able to spend that, vis-a-vis yeah. -vis having to put the food on the table, <laughs> is, a, is another challenge. You you also remember it's not just a matter of just going there and coming back. It's also the facilities where you are going to go and probably spend a day or two. Have we subsidized the cost at those particular uh, facilities? If I were to go there, maybe for a three day. Uh, how much would it cost me? And uh, looking at the local Kenyan monarchy, if I want to be able to continue to re-advertise what we have locally, can we be able to make it pocket-friendly, what I would say? But also to be able to yes, I consider myself a local tourist. Um, I've traveled quite a bit, uh, and I think that was necessitated by um, the job that I had. 
so it used to take me to places that you would not necessarily spend your money to go to places like Pokot, Marakwet, Kwale, you know. We would go and then build dams. So in the process, I would tour the place. But uh, I try as much as possible, at least on any given month, to visit somewhere. Just try something new. If you're able to make that trip, all I will say is, Tembea Kenya. Some Vision 2030 goals in this sector include increasing tourism's GDP, increasing the number of international visitors, and increasing hotel beds and the quality of service offered. Progress made includes rehabilitation of roads, monuments, and historical sites. Rehabilitation of the Nairobi National Museum and a total of 64 kilometers of road in Amboseli and Lake Nakuru. These are examples of sites and roads improved. There was a 3.9% growth from 2018 to 2019, with an increase in earnings from 157.4 billion to 163.6 billion. Hey there, are you looking for a job? Well, we are here for you. Sign up with us with the link in the description box below and apply for a position in our company. We have a variety of slots that need to be filled, so hurry and secure a job. What's awesome is that this work is remote. All you need is a stable internet connection, fluency in English, and a good laptop. Business process outsourcing. In the initial years of the launch, this was a new and promising sector. Kenyans, especially the youth, would be open to being contracted to do business services through the internet. Marketing Kenya as a BPO destination was key. Back in 2008, the Kenya ICT board was to start the construction of the Business Process Outsourcing Technology Park after 900 million Kenyan shillings was allocated towards the project. The park was to provide internet service to the public and create about 10,000 jobs. Come 2012, the flagship BPO project was to design and establish one major BPO park in Nairobi, possibly at the river that would have world-class infrastructure. This sector again got a boost back in 2014 with a Philippines BPO farm sorting after service provided by Kenyans. Over time, the hype that was present in the initial days, months, and years in this sector was dying out. Challenges cited for this stunted growth included lack of technical skills, at times temporary jobs or short-term jobs, and lack of outsourcing jobs. But there's a different angle to look at it here. The fact that outsourcing is not now being done through farms, but going directly to individuals. For the oil, gas, and mineral resources sector under this economic pillar, we were to focus more on the exploration and development of oil and other mineral resources. Looking at mining in Kenya, compared to other African countries, we are steps behind. The position is attributed to the availability of minerals and policy issues. The latter reason is saddening, considering it is a man-made problem or issue. Under policy issues, we have higher rates, trade barriers, political stability, infrastructure, and other issues pushing mining investments away. This is based on a survey done back in 2013 to 2014 by Fraser Institute. Enter 2014, we have to take control of the situation. Enacting the law to regulate the mining sector was to ease companies undertaking relevant mining activities in the country. The Kenya Mining Bill 2014 was passed. 
this was a major step as it was repealing the Mining Act from 1940, which was not addressing a lot of changes and demands in the mining sector. Some quarters were not pleased, calling on the president not to assent it. Now, let us look back at some of the goals of the vision in this sector. There were a number of activities to be conducted. Establishing a national petroleum data center, commercial production of the Kuala Mineral Sands project starting in 2014, and the creation of special mineral processing zones. These were some of the goals set. I must admit, very little has been done in this sector. Before we are done, I think there's one crucial question the professor addressed. An imperative statement, a statement on what Kenyans can do in this process. What is their role? I think that's uh, very difficult because uh, we, we, we are coming from the position, what is the government doing? And that's most of us step back and say, what's the government doing? And I think when I made this, when I made the decision to join government in 2009, I wanted to remove myself we are also very good at saying the government should do this and that. And I say, let me get in, see what we can from that perspective. So coming back to the Mwanaingi, I think the first and foremost important thing is to appreciate the responsibility they have to elect people of integrity to the office. That's, and it doesn't have to be the president. It doesn't have, it can go even up to the sub-location. Mm. Are we getting somebody within our community who is a person of integrity? Are we getting somebody who will be impartial in the judgment within the community? If we can start from there, it builds up to the level where even at the highest office in this country, we'll get people of integrity, people who can deliver. I think it's something we missed. And, 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 it, and it's sad and also appreciate that we tend to come from the point of uh, giving. At the end of the day, how much has Kevin given me versus D versus Wainaina? Mm. So my view is we need to take that narrative ourselves. And, and the community are very, are very understanding. Uh, and I think we, the elite, if I might say that, we have a responsibility. The Constitution 2010 was to be voted no. It was, it was very clear. The security, the mechanism was very clear. The president was advised very correctly. Mudaura was convinced that it's a high probability this constitution will be voted in And who are the architects? Well, actually, the churches were very vocal. I do recall even some of them saying that it's around gay marriages, which was untrue. Yeah. But then the government of the day then said, oh, you public service, I'm giving you three months. Go back to where it came from, to your rural homes. And you'll be paid. That's not an issue. And I want you to go and tell your parents about the Constitution. And I can tell you, I come from Kiambu. We went to Watondo, we went here. We had difficulties convincing, particularly with the areas they come because of the drugs and all that. And I remember actually asking, e Constitution, is it going to bring put food on the table? But the good thing is when we convince our parents, and when you look at the rural folks, they, they, if anything they breathe, it's a religion. Mm. Oh yes, they do. Whether you go to CSDA, whether you go to Methodist in Meru, 
They strongly believe in that, where the Catholics. And they actually step back and say, hey, these are our children. They're telling us about the constitution is good. And they went back and said, this Mtoto Wangu, the one who comes and helps us. So they actually changed the, we changed the narrative. The same narrative, the same people, we can change the voters to get people of integrity, people who will deliver. Somebody who doesn't see, I'm here to take the leadership is actually taking responsibility. And that responsibility of amassing wealth. Uh, and we have seen it with governors. And there are perhaps two or three governors who, and I, I'm very clear in mind when I say that, yeah, oh no, Professor Kibana, the narrative, he's changed the narrative in, in that constituency, yeah. in that uh, county. The mangoes are not dethroned the way they were being thrown. So I, I think that it all starts with the Mwanai to appreciate. And what Kibwana did, and I think that's something we need to find a way with. He spent more time listening to the community. And I did that when I was working in the NGO world. Step back, listen to them. They have their own solution. You come here as a facilitator. You come here even sharing your experience. And then show the value for money. Loopholes to cut. If Kevin doesn't agree with me, he goes on that. I'm sorry. You remember he was almost being impeached? Yeah. And when the second time came, all the MCs were thrown out except one. Monaita very extremely clear. They see the right person. We have that responsibility mm -hmm. to be the right person than pointing at government. In fact, uh, one person uh, pointed out, you are the one who erected this leader. Well, there you have it. This is a representation of how some Kenyans feel and a breakdown of where we are. The vision deserves extensive coverage. Hopefully, we can tackle some topics that we did not touch on in the future. Feel free to reach out with any feedback on this particular topic. Also, you can give us suggestions on what to cover in subsequent seasons of this series. Special thanks to Mr. Gituro Wainaina for the insights. The clock is ticking. This production has put some perspective on where we are and I hope we make use of the remaining time on our clock. I have been your host, Timothy Gatimo. <laughs>